8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Asraf Gada. The Viewpoint with Asraf Gada. It certainly is the viewpoint. It's all about the viewpoint of my guest today was the chairperson of the National Youth Development Agency, but also your viewpoint. After 9 o'clock, we will talk Zimbabwe. Do I need to say more? There's an election coming up. There's also debate already about the who, what, when, where, why, and the fairness of that election. Regular updates on that uh, FIFA World Cup game between Tunisia and uh, England. The fourth of the African nations so far. Africa played three, lost three. No goals scored. Very disappointing. Will that change tonight? We shall certainly see about that. We always start, as, uh, as usual, with the big hit which is a person of prominence uh, who takes up a position and we ask them a series of questions concerning what they do and beyond that. And my guest today is uh, Sefiso Tsweni, who is the chairperson of the NYDA, which is the acronym for the National Youth Development Agency. Sefiso, good chatting to you. Hello. Uh, Good evening, uh, Ashraf. Good evening to your listeners. And thank you you for having us here. You had a busy weekend because you were with the president. Yes. uh, During (coughs) Youth Youth Day, right? Well, uh, a very, very busy weekend, as you say. Uh, we're commemorating the 42nd anniversary uh, since the June 16, 1976. Um, you would remember that this weekend we've actually started with a walk um, from Morris Isaacson uh, with the president um, emulating the walk or the march. The, that the original place. march, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we went all the way to the Hector Peterson Memorial where we laid wreaths, um, uh, paying homage uh, to those particular heroes uh, of that particular day. Then we ended up, of course, at Orlando Stadium, uh, where both myself and the president are dressed. And uh, yeah, overall, a very successful weekend. Mm. Now, p- part of it, and I was watching your, your address, and let's get to that right away. You, you made the point, you said, Mr. President, uh, for where we are, 400 million rands is not enough. We need a billion rands. Uh, in terms of our budget. Yes. Right? Uh, Why do you need that much more? Well, the NYDA (coughs) is a national agency. And uh, I think one of the things that uh, young people have been crying about (coughs) is that, uh, you know, the agency exists, but mostly exists in your urban areas. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Mostly it assists young people that are found in your towns. uh. So one Mm -hmm. of the first things that I did when I was appointed just over a year ago, was to say that uh, we we need to expand the reach of the NYDA. It needs to expand to rural areas. It needs to expand to townships because young people really need these particular services. And when we looked at the budget itself, I mean, uh, just over 400 million, uh, there's 19 million economically active young people in South Africa. Now, if you were to divide that 400 million by those young people, it means that government is actually spending 20 rands per young I person. I saw you put up that figure, 20 rands. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, it's 20 rands per annum. So in essence, uh, it's less than five cents that you spend, you know, uh, if you were to count it per month uh, for that or per day. So the issue that we've been raising is to say, look, the the NYD, of course, didn't start so well. It had a bumpy start in the beginning uh, because of the merger of the two institutions. But I think what it has done over the last four years, uh, it's been able to turn at the corner. It's been getting clean audits. We've been accounting for every Mm -hmm. rent and cents. Mm -hmm. We've been making the right appointments. Uh, we've just, you've, you've recently, uh, you know, uh, interviewed one of our CEOs, was the youngest. What's his name? What's, what's Wasim Karim, Karim yeah. yes. Okay. Is, is, you made reference to him in your speech, right? Yes. The youngest CEO. The youngest CEO in the country, yeah. the youngest CEO probably in the continent. Um, this is one of the...
of the top 10 chartered accountants in the country uh, as per you know the, the 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 ratings of the chartered accountants he's been the cfo that was responsible for turning around the the agency's finances so where we are sitting now we think that the agency is starting to make the right moves mm. and uh, we think that uh, the time has come for, for government to really put money where its mouth is you can't say youth development in south africa is the second priority in terms of the order paper and yet you don't budget for it yes i understand that mm. youth development cuts across it's not just an nyda issue if you talk about sports and recreation there's youth development issues if you talk about social development there's youth issues if you talk about uh, you know even health for that matter you know uh, basic education higher education into that. but but isn't therefore the 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 the, uh, the 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 point which is that yes youth development is important but we don't need to put the money through the national youth development agency we can put it through health through school through sport through school all of that is developing youth anyway so why why would we need to put 400 million or even a million rands into an organization that as you already admitted has had problems in the past convincing people of delivery if i'm looking at my twitter timeline again it's like ah these guys are waste and i'm just looking at what yeah. other people are saying right so obviously the, the point is you clearly have a hard sell to try and convince people of the of the merits of the nyda in terms of why it's that important isn't it well you would have seen what we did in fact on saturday mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> we actually came to the stadium with uh, 150 trailblazers young people who have actually benefited out of the nyda young people who, are, who have actually received the products and services and make a success out of mm -hmm. their lives yes you are correct youth development by the way cuts across if you look at municipalities for instance uh, there's what we call youth officers right uh, you look at idp budgeting processes they need to speak to issues of how do you develop youth centers however the nyda also has a role to play in terms of its own act uh, we have a role to play in ensuring that we develop young people through education skills and development we have a role to play to ensure that we produce cutting-edge research that we've started now with the youth development institute of south africa with uj we also have a very vibrant economic uh, participation model uh, that is actually the most successful in government for instance we take young people who are entrepreneurs we train them we give them grants to be able to run their own businesses other departments give young people loans and so on and so forth and that particular model has been able to succeed however just last year we've been able to assist 2500 young entrepreneurs with funding but then again you're sitting with 18,000 applications now when you're sitting with 18,000 mm -hmm. applications mm -hmm. and the only thing that happens is that you run out of money then what happens so i think there's a genuine call that we're making i think we're starting to say to the people that yes Indeed, we did not start well. We agree. However, here are now the success stories. Okay, so here are the physical issues. bodies that have actually benefited out of these right. programs. Let's let's do this. I'm going to invite callers as well. 0891104207. 0891104207. Welcome your thoughts, your questions uh, that you may want to put through to the the chairperson of the NYDA, and that's if he's twenty. Of course, issues around. Uh, the running and the overall impact of the NYDA most welcome. We'll have regular crossings um, on the World Cup. I can tell you now, so far, not a good day for Africa once again. Tunisia, Africa's best-ranked team, are uh, trailing England by one goal to nil. Harry Kane scoring very early on, and that's about 12 minutes uh, into that game. In fact, let, let's do this. Let, let's cross now to Mohamed um, Ali, who will give us the first of many updates uh, throughout the tournament around this time. So, England won Tunisia nil. What does this mean? Thanks very much indeed, Ashraf. Uh, Twelve and a half minutes gone. Yes, and uh, the England captain, Harry Kane, the man who's scoring from a rebound after a very good save by the Tunisian goalkeeper, the French-born goalkeeper, Mouiz Hassan, who plays for Châteauroux in the uh, French second division. It was a powerful header from John Stones, the Manchester United central defender. 
goalkeeper doing well to claw it away but there was Harry Kane ever the predator to uh, put home the rebound and uh, give England a deserved lead it must be said as well because Tunisia really have been on the back foot in these uh, opening 12 minutes and it's been some good saves and a couple of misses by the English as well and uh, Raheem Sterling missing one from just right in front as well as uh, Moise Hassan saving from uh, Jesse Lingard so Tunisia will have to settle down very quickly remember Africa still looking for their first goal at this World Cup in the first three games all Africa's sides have lost and they haven't uh, scored either and uh, as you said Tunisia Africa's top ranked side at number 21 in the world up against England ranked uh, 12th in the world these two sides did meet once before at the World Cup and that was in Marseille in 1998 a game in which the England uh, coach uh, current coach Gareth Southgate played as well and uh, they won that game by uh, two goals to nil and it looks like Moise Hassan may have to leave the field with an injury so an early blow for the Carthage Eagles uh, African Nations champions of course in 2004 so uh, 14 minutes gone the English are in full song in Volgograd in the uh, south of Russia and it looks like Moise Hassan will leave and he will be replaced by Eamon Matluti so 14 minutes gone then in this uh, opening or the second group G game it is uh, England leading Tunisia by one goal to nil Muhammad Ali for SAFM Sport SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide leading the conversation so, Safiso Mtweni with me, the chairperson of the NYDA. We're speaking about overall impact of the organization. What, one of the things that was said uh, was the issue of, um, of experience. Now, now, I'll get your thoughts in a second. Uh, President Ramaphosa also made the, po- the point about you know, people needing jobs and the issue of experience or the lack thereof. Let, let's see if we can play that clip. We call on all companies to seek out unemployed graduates. Employers must understand that for our country to succeed, they must take responsibility for providing young people with the work experience they need. So our graduates must be employed without having this added requirement of experience because experience has become a barrier to employing young people. So today I agree with the NYDA that this requirement of experience must be put aside. Okay, that's President Ramaphosa about experience must be put aside. What does that really mean? Uh, Sophie, so give us your thoughts. You, yeah. were, you were talking about, you know, we all know that you you want a job. Okay, what's your work experience? You have a position on that. Give, give, me, give it to me. Well, I think firstly, uh, let's, let's, let's applaud the President for finally listening to us. Uh, we've been raising this issue for some time. Um, look, we, we, Ashraf, there's 400,000 unemployed graduates in South Africa. Now, we grew up in a system that says acquire an education. If you if you've got a qualification, you get a you, you get a profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, uh, young people get an a, 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 an education, and now they are sitting in street corners holding placards saying that I cannot even get a job. They're, so these are graduates. These are graduates. Who are unemployed. These yeah. are graduates who are holding placards like beggars, saying that I've got a B Tech in this, I've got a B Com in accounting, I'm not getting a job. The problem with that is that 
someone somewhere you know just decided that i mean simple things entry level jobs a receptionist an administrator a clerk we are not convinced that for you to be a receptionist you you need a five years experience we've been answering phones our whole lives uh, we've got phones now as young people you know we don't believe that uh, if you need a driver you need five years experience you need a driver's license but on top of that another point that we want to raise is that uh, president mandela became president without any experience uh, he was never a president before he became a president uh, ministers of finance trevor Ma uh, lower uh, trevor manuel sorry uh, he became a minister of finance one of the best he did not have experience uh, minister Gordon was even a pharmacist he became a minister of finance mm. so why is it that experience must be looked for from young people when old people themselves have been getting jobs so, so therefore in practical terms what are you saying they they finished their degrees yes. right uh, or, or some sort of a tertiary education uh, then you have the job market right yeah. who currently are saying well we'll hire you but what's your work experience and clearly they have no work experience yes so you saying what is what is the solution then well what we're saying is that <clears throat> how do you gain experience if you have not entered uh, uh, the job market itself. Uh, so we're saying let them come in. Now, there has been various interventions that were tried before, internship programs. Uh, now, the problem with internship programs is that you get these interns into the system, uh, but you end up, you know, sending them to go and get coffee, mm. to, to go and print papers. Some of them even go in and fetch dry, dry, dry clean. These are students who, who have graduated with financial management and so on yeah. and so forth. So from where we are sitting is that <clears throat> there's now a recently introduced YES program. Yes, now, what, it, yeah. what the private sector does, which in our view is a bit mischievous, if government comes with an initiative that says we are going to subsidize you for employing young people, then all of a sudden there's space, all of a sudden there's jobs, because they've got something to, to gain out of it. But the problem with such things is that two years later or three years later, yes, you've gained experience, but you are then laid off. You go back mm. into the ranks of the unemployed. If somebody were to come to us and say, fine, here's an internship program that will ultimately absorb these young people, then we're happy. Here's a yes program that will ultimately ab absorb these young people, then we're happy. Mm. What we're not happy with is people who, are, who, who use government, you know, incentives in order just to pocket the money and uh, ensure that, you know, they, they maintain the, the workforce uh, as old as it is. Or in some cases, they take these young people and lay off the old ones. So, in other words, you pit these young people against the old people, and that's not what we're really calling for. Okay, but, but, but is the economy, if you're saying 400,000 people, youth, in this case, graduates, unemployed, is the economy big enough to be able to, to absorb them? Well, you see the problem with the economy currently. Uh, uh, why you, you can see it's on recession. I mean, may, many people make a lot of analysis. But one analysis that people fail to make is that the mere fact that there's 3.3 million unemployed South Africans, which uh, 400,000 of them are unemployed graduates, mm -hmm. that alone means that there's no buying power into the economy. What will lift the economy of South Africa is if more people get work, more people are able to buy certain things. In that way, the economy of, of the country is able to expand. It's able to even create more jobs. But even, even, that, even if that's the case by the way even when the economy is on recession or whatever it is if you open every newspaper every day there's jobs they are there uh, you you go to any job uh, website their jobs are there the problem is that there's this experience this requirement of experience which means that you are trying to keep the job market as old as it is i mean a quick example ashraf mm -hmm. there's just been a quick uh, uh, you know a, a recent advert of escom executives they say they in that advert that they need a COO of ESCOM, right? Mm, mm. They say that that person must have 20 years experience. Now, South Africa has a, has a democracy of 24 years. Yeah. The moment you say you need 20 years experience, you are very explicit. You need a white male because who has been working before before the, the advent of in, democracy? In so you are very clear that you are trying to keep black people outside. Mm. But at the same time, you are simply saying 
that if a Sifiso here is 30 years old, uh, I will never really get a job as an executive because I must still first acquire 20 years experience. It means you are going to have an aging workforce which cannot even think outside of the box and that's why the economy is actually regressing. Okay. I'm going to get two callers before I do that to Mike and to Jay and to, the, and to KG. I think we just lost you. Do call back. Um, so, so you're saying, okay, they, the business must absorb them, right? Uh, but but n- and this is not an internship. This yeah. is a job. Even if they're doing work, not what they qualified for. Yes. Right. And you're saying that President Ramaphosa is receptive to that. Yes. W- was he more clear about what what he can do? I mean, can he you know can he dictate to business or to or to or to government employers um, to to take on these people? Well, the nice thing about President uh, Ramaphosa is that. Uh, uh, you know, in terms of business, there's a lot of respect for him. He's been in that background. He's been in business for some time. And the, the mere fact that, by the way, it was not easy to get President Ramaphosa to where he was. Uh, it was very difficult. Uh, even the work that we had in the morning, we had to do final minute convincing to make him see the rationale that for as long as you've got this team on called experience, you are going to keep young graduates outside. So for him to publicly make out a call, Two business people to say, look, I, I as the president, uh, by the way, see, see the value in this. And by the way, the moment the president speaks, it's a policy position because yeah. that's a head of state. Mm. And uh, already we don't think that business could disrespect the president of this country. Because why else are you trading in this country if you're going to disrespect? When, when will you know if it, that is for real? Well, we're going to have a presidential working group on youth. Uh, we, we, we will now say to president, president, we've now agreed, let's have an action plan. Firstly, let's make sure that the youth employment service translates to positive jobs or translates to permanent jobs because the youth employment service is going to employ one million uh, okay. young people. So that's the one that was launched just around yes. the State of the Nation address, yeah. I think headed by, by Tashmir uh, Tashmi yes. Isma, right? Yes. yes. Are you supportive of that? We're, of, we're, of, supporti- we're supportive of, of, of that initiative that seeks to absorb one million young people into the job market. What we are not supportive of is the end of that program where young people will be laid off. What we are saying is that absorb the one million uh, young people, there's several uh, one million in Gauteng, absorb the one million uh, of those particular young people. There's EPWP programs. Those EPWP programs, young people work for two years there. Even that certificate they get, it's even something lesser than an attendance certificate because they can't use it anywhere. You can't even put in a CV that you're in an EPWP program. So make EPWP to be permanent. Make intention program. EPWP means what? The Extended Public Works Program. Okay. So these are the young people that maintain buildings. They clean on the side of the roads. But that thing is actually able to skill them. But the problem with that program is that they get laid off. So what we, what we are simply saying, absorb these people. Let's not pretend as if jobs are, are not there. They are there. Just ensure and that... You, these... And you clear they can absorb them. They can afford to absorb them. They can afford to okay. absorb them. We'll see about that. My my guest is uh, Sifisum Twenty, who's the chairperson of the NYDA, the National Youth Development uh, Agency. We'll talk about everything around youth and of course this issue of jobs without experience is, is one of them. What I'll do is I'll take um, I'll take three, four calls in one go, okay? So 891 If you're tweeting and I want to get your thoughts on uh, via Twitter, right? It's your way to put your viewpoint across. Uh, hashtag SAFM viewpoint, uh, and then just tag me, Ashraf Garda, as well as SAFM Radio. In fact, you can text Sifiso, you'll pick up his name on my timeline, as well as the NYDA. Okay, let's get let's get some calls. Sabello, first of all, in case, and then go ahead. Hi, Sabello. Uh, hi. Uh, firstly, I just to salute uh, the leader, the uh, Sifiso. Exactly, he is representing exactly what we've been looking for as young people of South Africa. I just want to uh, salute the role that he's playing on M- NYTA because if you look at NYTA and the direction in which it moves, 
uh, with currently it gives uh, young people of this country hope however uh, there is this challenge of foreigners uh, t- which have occupied our space, especially in local areas, in, in, in all uh, uh, capital cities. I just want to ask uh, him to say, what are the amicable solutions that he thinks we, ma- we, we must engage on in making sure that our young people are prepared to take over their local economy? Because the truth is that Somalians, Chinese and Pakistan have invaded the space. So I think we need to also look at that to say how do we ensure that our our youth uh, uh, take over because that's their business to say they must also support as much as there are initiatives within the NYTA but let's look at ways in which we uh, we must uh, uh, tackle uh, this issue because the truth of the matter is that these people are, are, are looting our economy extremely. Okay, all, all that. Well, we okay. Thank you for that uh, for that contribution. Uh, we're going to. Safiso's made a note of it. He'll, he'll respond in a minute, right? Thank you for that call. Let's get let's get further opinions. Pro or PRO, either way, from Durban. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good day, girl. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Go ahead. What's your viewpoint? Yeah, uh, my viewpoint on this matter is that, um, I, firstly, I got the conversation already halfway. Okay. But uh, I did hear the clip with the president. Um, while uh, all it's in good notion, but uh, the question that I possibly have is that, um, I mean, I'm an executive where I'm at, uh, in the business I'm in. And um, we will, I mean, uh, 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 yield the, 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 the call from the president to, to, to accept uh, uh, youth in any way to get into business or, shall I say, into a, a play, a, I mean, a role in our economy. But the reality is that how about, how about government? Because government is also does the very same thing of experience. Uh, I hear that the president is talking only to corporate. What about what about um, uh, government? Uh, and I'd like to hear that from uh, the, the 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 leader, the young leader mm-hmm. there. To, if they are challenging, okay. the, the, I mean, the president on that. I, I would think I would it, think they are. We will find out, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then the second part of it is that um, I think the, the the previous caller, I mean, hit a nail on the head when he's asking about what are we going to do about. Um, uh, national for I mean foreigners that are I mean I mean uh, other nationals that are coming to our country and 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 obviously compete equally with the, with the with the South Africans. We are in this um, uh, state that we're in currently because we 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 we, we are there in wherever they came from. They still have no no competition amongst the, the others, but the, or themselves, and they come and compete the very same way here. And the other thing is, I heard I, I stand to be corrected that when it comes, it might be a propaganda what I'm about to say, but then um, if someone else who would hear may maybe share, share, I mean, share the light on this, that the Chinese, when they leave China, the government in China gives them uh, some sort of um, a funding that mm. they're going to start up, what they're going to do wherever they go, they're going in Africa. Now, the question is, where are we going to be as, as, as Africans, as South Africans, and, and in state of, the, of, 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 our, of our youth currently? Okay. That's all, all, what I all right. Thank, thank you for you. that call. Okay, that's Pro from yes. Devon. Uh, let me take two more calls. Okay, then we'll we'll get my guest to respond. Jay from uh, Well, Jay on the line. Hi, Jay. Hi. Uh, good evening to you and our guest. Thank you. Um, look, uh, we got to find solutions for the future, not only for the present state. And now, uh, ten to fifteen years time, we're going to have a further increase in the population. Now, how well are we going to be prepared for that um, generation of youth that's coming out from university and 
and uh, so forth. So uh, one of the things I think we should encourage youth while they are in high school or, you know, in uh, colleges, go and do volunteer to get that kind of experience. Get experience where you'll know how to communicate with people and handle situations, no matter what kind of a situation. You'll get this, uh, you know, um, a thing in you mm, that mm, this mm. is what I've got to take on the responsibility. Okay. Let's, get a, let's get a response theory. about experience yeah. even from school. All right. Thanks for that, Jay. Thank you. Let, let's move from one part of the world or South Africa to another part to go to Cape Town. Now, Mike on the line. Hi, Mike. Yeah, uh, good evening, uh, Ashraf, and good evening to your guest. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm beyond frustrated listening to this call. You know, the fact that economic growth was 1.4% last year, mm-hmm. that was slashed down, I think, from about 28 or somewhere around there, is pitiful. The fact that unemployment is over 35%, and uh, we've got like 58 or f- uh, something percent, it's huge, so Africans live below the poverty line. Your gentleman there is completely out of touch with the country. I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if he lives in South Africa. He just cannot be of this planet. Two questions I want to put to him, Ashraf, and I want to ask you, please, to put him to terms on this. Does he or has he ever actually ever run a business? Because I don't think he has. I don't think he has any idea what it takes for somebody to put their money up, to put their hard work up and take a risk. Um, he, he seems to have no idea of, um, yeah, the value of running a business. He talks in an absolute dream world. The fact that he actually believes that corporates um, are sitting around with thousands of jobs, but now they're being very selective is beyond a joke. There there are no jobs out there. Our economy is a massive decline. He should not be worrying about corporates. He should be worrying about getting our economy going. And just as an end shot there, you know, I've just come back from America. I was there in uh, January and February. Do you know that the USA, last in, in uh, three months ago, created no less, listen to this, Asha, 257,000 jobs. They are doing this 11,000 jobs month on month. In fact, no, sorry, I've got that Okay, wrong. I'm, I'm going to rush you. Right, go ahead. This guy needs to get a wake-up call. He's in it for the money. He's not in it for our country. And I want to know... Who, who's in it for the money? Wait, are, are you saying my guest is in, for, is, is in it for the money? Yeah, absolutely. Why, why would you say that, Mike? Because these guys earn outrageous salaries. I, I can't remember when they had the kissing festival where the guys were earning two, three million. But they're out of touch. I don't okay. mind this. But if, he, if he'd said to us, listen, I've got a business. I've employed 300 people. I know what I'm talking about. But he doesn't. He'll tell okay. you how much he earns. In fact, I hope you'll ask him. All right. Tonight. Mike, thanks, thanks for that. In, in it for the money. We'll sign it about that. Thank you for that call. Uh, Mike, let, let's get to an update once again on, on the soccer. According to reports, it's been about uh, Tunisia very much on the back foot. But I don't know. Moali Mo will certainly analyze all of that. It's Tunisia, nil, England one so far. I'd say that puts the game in the bag. If you're going to Big Mac during the big game, get it delivered. Download the free delivery or Uber Eats apps. T's and C's apply. Just under 14 minutes to go to halftime in Volgograd, uh, England very much uh, in uh, cruise control against the Tunisian side that, uh, as you say, has been on the back foot and uh, they are on the attack once again down the right-hand side. Ball played into the penalty area, cleared at the near post uh, by uh, Siam bin Yusuf, man who plays his football in Turkey. The uh, Tunisians playing in all-white this evening, England in all-red. There have been one or two opportunities uh, for the Tunisians who have gained some confidence as uh, this game has uh, progressed and they had one chance 
chance after 27 minutes uh, when uh, Ferjani Sassi saw his uh, shot deflected wide off uh, Harry Maguire, man making only his sixth appearance uh, in the England side. A very young-looking England backline with uh, Harry Maguire having played five games for the country and uh, John Stones of Manchester City, a bit more experienced with 20 games uh, to his credit. But uh, Tunisia, they uh, are looking a bit vulnerable at the back, uh, particularly with the pace of uh, Jesse Lingard and Raheem Sterling and with the high balls played in, we've seen Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire rather, uh, meeting a few crosses as was uh, John Stones and so at set pieces it's been the problem for the African sides at this World Cup thus far depending uh, set pieces but uh, this is a game that uh, Tunisia will hope to get a draw from because their next game is up against uh, and it's a penalty now to Tunisia penalty man brought down in the penalty area and uh, it looks like uh, John Stones was the man who brought down Fakhreddin Ben Yusuf so Tunisia have the opportunity to equalize with just uh, 12 minutes remaining Fakhreddin Ben Yusuf Looked like he crashed into the back there of Kyle Walker. The England players not happy with the penalty being awarded by the Colombian referee. Don't know if we're going to have time to see this penalty being taken. But Fakhreddin Ben Yusuf going down under the challenge from Kyle Walker of Manchester City. And Tunisia have the opportunity to equalize from the penalty spot. A rather fortuitous penalty, you fancy. A team that won their first game at the World Cup in 1978 when they beat Mexico by three goals to one. And since then, it's been uh, four draws and seven defeats for the Carthage Eagles. Can they get back on level terms just with just uh, 11 and a half minutes remaining to half time? Jordan Henderson, the Liverpool man, having a word with the referee. And uh, the penalty will now be taken for the uh, Tunisians. And uh, stepping up to take it is uh, Ferjani Sassi, man who plays his football for Al Nasser in Saudi Arabia. Jordan Pickford, the Everton goalkeeper, making only his fourth appearance in goal for England. And uh, as is usual with goalkeepers, trying uh, to exert a bit of gamesmanship on uh, Ferjani Sassi. The uh, bearded Ferjani Sassi, the referee having a word with Jordan Pickford, telling him exactly what's required. He should not move off his line. Ferjani Sassi says a little prayer. And uh, can he now level matters for the Carthage Eagles? Referee having a word with the England players on the edge of the penalty area as well, telling them exactly what's required. Vejani Sasi takes two steps back. Four, five now towards the edge of the penalty area, away to the left of the ball. And uh, hands on the hips, he will step forward now. Vejani Sasi and it's in the back of the net. Jordan Pickford went the right way, but crept inside the right hand upright. So Tunisia are level with uh, 10 minutes to go to half time. It's uh, England 1, Tunisia 1. Muhammad Ali for SABC Sport. Now that's what I call a save. No matter how you Big Mac during the big game, get it delivered. Download the free Mac delivery or Uber Eats apps. T's and C's apply. Ndoro slides into the Big Mac box. He goes in for the first bite, tackling the onions with ease. He controls the dribble. Ndoro blocks the gherkins, steals a fry, and then it goes. Sensational. I can almost taste the sauce in that victory. Now that's how you tackle a Big Mac like a pro. No matter how you Big Mac, during the big game, get it delivered. Download the free McDelivery or Uber Eats apps. T's and C's apply. Let's have the conversation. 0891 104 207.
And that goal by uh, Ferjani Sasi was the first goal by Africa in this World Cup in the fourth match. Tunisia won. <coughs> Excuse me, England won. We'll certainly have updates on that uh, at halftime as well. Let's get back to the business of the NYDA. Sipi Sim Twenty is my guest chairperson of the NYDA. Okay, so many of the callers, we, we can't get through all, but let's just get to the, the first one. Yes, Abello was speaking about, uh, about foreigners. Yes. Well, uh, <coughs> I think firstly, thanks to Sabelo for also acknowledging uh, you know the advances that we've made uh, as an opening comment mm. however <clears throat> you know the, 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 there's an approach now that we want to employ which is the fact that uh, when we identify entrepreneurs in the township we need to identify those young people that wake up every day at 5 a.m. in the morning go to train stations mm. go to you know taxi ranks stand in street corners sell feather dusters sell chargers those type of people those are the entrepreneurs that you need to unleash the potential of see the challenge with foreign uh, you know owned businesses in the townships mm-hmm. is that most of them are actually renting from where there has been tech shops uh, that are owned by South Africans. So the people who are actually opening the doors uh, for this type of things to happen is is our people. But I think also, secondly, uh, their business model is probably something that we need to learn as we move forward. I was going to ask you, I mean, is yes. there anything wrong in what they do? In fact, they, they're bringing us a type of diversity of learning that perhaps we should be emulating. The, the problem with those businesses is that, one, uh, they don't necessarily employ our people. Two, our communities benefit nothing out of them being there beyond the fact that we buy their products at a cheaper rate. You know, if if they came through and said, here's a model that actually works and yeah, we employ South Africans uh, in the townships and so on, then that would have been better. But okay, why, why is there then not that level of collaboration? Because I'm saying, yeah. I can't remember all the countries, but let's, uh, let's take uh, Somalians, Pakistanis, Bangladeshis yeah. in particular. They seem to have a way of doing business that, that is pretty impressive. Yeah. W- why is it taking this long for for government and government agencies like the NYDA and others to say let let let's sit down and not just have a chat on the radio but let's actually see if we can thresh out a win-win deal for the future well you you would have seen that the department of small business development uh, even here Gauteng economic development which is led by Lebogang Maile mm. uh, have started what we call township revitalization programs yeah. now what, what, what that program seeks to do as well is that it, uh, the foreign-owned businesses were called uh, because another challenge is that they trade and then they don't pay tax, you know, because they are not here. So part of the things was to say, let's look at who is here legitimately and so on. And if you do business in South Africa, you have tax obligations. So that particular tax obligation must be met. But secondly, we must be able to say, how do we implement that business model? And I'm saying that business model is based on collaborative type of a business aspect so in other words you you buy as a group you buy in bulk Mm. you know you develop a wholesale model and so on in that way you are able to provide uh, you know services that are cheaper and so on and i'm saying the people that we need to unlock the potential of is these entrepreneurs that wake up every morning because not everybody unfortunately would be an entrepreneur most of the people who run tech shops in the townships they run them for survival purposes isn't the other way around One, one are these these entrepreneurs at entry level the other is to create Big entrepreneurs with big dreams. Yes. I don't mean you know, instead of selling 10 apples, now you're selling yeah. 100 apples. Yeah. I'm saying that you actually become the manufacturer. Where, where are you down the line with that? Well, you would have remembered that there was a, a an industrialist program, mm. uh, which is run by government. Uh, we, we've also called for 40% quota of that particular industrialist program to go to young people. So, for instance, I'll make an example. We've now discovered a young lady who's actually now running a plant to produce sanitary towels. Uh, you know, there's been a big mm. issue about the provision Absolutely. of sanitary towels. We've supported that young lady. Uh, today, she's got a plant in Peter Mar- 
months back, which is currently employing, you know, uh, over 59 people. You know, that particular plant, that model we're able to take, we've taken it to China to learn even more about, uh, you know, manufacturing and so on. When she comes back, we want to develop a model where we can have all these plants in all these provinces so that when government starts providing these sanitary towels, you know, each and every province is able to do that. So when you say you support her, what is support? Well, well, <clears throat> from the very basics, she came in to us with the, with an idea. Uh, we took her through a, a training program. We given her a startup grant funding program of about 100,000 where she was able to sit, I mean, from a garage, you know, uh, sew uh, and take mm -hmm. material. Ours was just to assist her with material. And I'm saying to you that she started with five people Today she's sitting with 59 people. Yeah, that particular business now qualifies for an industrialist program. So I'm saying there are people like that. That and another thing, um, you know, we, we've been talking about government, for instance, is providing uniform to police, is providing uniform to nurses. The unfortunate part is that we're not providing uniform to school kids, and the school kids are actually not employed. Mm, mm, you know, mm. but but what we're saying is that. Who's actually doing the police uniforms? Uh, who's actually doing uh, the nurse uniforms? Because that's that's a biggest spend that the government the makes. The manufacturing. The manufacturing. Okay. We speak about a textile industry that has actually gone down, and, and yet we can't start investing in those All things. Right. So those are the suggestions that let's, we're making. Let's move on. Another one that came up was, uh, I think, maybe from Pro. Speak yeah. about... And maybe Mike's saying the same thing. Well, what about government employing these people? One thing is business employing them. Yeah. But what about government doing the same thing? Well, well, I think for me, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a I would say a, a bit of taking the responsibility of the private sector a bit away. Because South Africa actually, unlike any other country, government is the biggest employer. What, what has the private sector been doing? In fact, the private sector has been shedding jobs. In most cases, the private sector has even been employing skills from outside of the country. So what we are calling for here is that... But isn't that private sector has to be competitive? If they, if they don't, if they're not competitive, they, they're out of business themselves. No, no, they, they, they should be competitive, but the private sector also has an obligation to the country in which they are, they are, they are actually trading in. And, and the point that we're raising is that it's not the fact that jobs are not there. And I think uh, Mike, Mike, in a way, in his comments, uh, uh, there was a bit of a, a condescending tone as if we don't know what it is that we're talking about. Have you, the, have you been in business? Like well, I, I've been in yeah. business. I've been a business consultant for the last eight years. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a chairperson of a board of directors of an institution that has got resources that are close to half a, a billion. So on that one, we must not uh, really patronize each other. What we are talking about, by the way, has been echoed by the President of the Republic. Unless Mike is telling us here in front of the whole country that the President of the Republic cannot think. And there's no way that when we raise issues as young people, we must raise uncomfortable issues what what people who have been in the industry must do is to say if what we are raising is wrong what alternatives okay. have been there so he's so your point is valid he's also raising an uncomfortable issue which yes. is like uh, uh, maybe i'm not using the right words but, yeah. but in effect uh, aren't you being you know naive thinking that business won't employ people when they need they, they when they need people business employs whoever they need to fulfill an obligation in terms of increasing their bottom line yes when that means when they need a driver to deliver because otherwise they won't get their goods delivered which means they can't make a profit they'll employ someone yes. but when they when they don't need to employ they don't because that's the only way to keep costs down which is something the minister of finance may say make sure that your costs are down yes so, so isn't the reality between the wish list that you have and the government wish list and, and the president but the reality of the business which is they want to employ people yes uh, because they also get rebates when they do that, yes. but they also there's a limit to just they can't just do that willy nilly. They need to remain profitable. Well, I I, I would agree, but I would agree in two ways. I, and I think somewhere somehow we tend to miss the point of the debate that we're raising. The point of the debate that we're raising is that there are jobs that are 
currently advertised. They are there. Mm-hmm. It's thousands and thousands of jobs. In fact, on, on many occasions, if you read all these newspapers, you, you realize that some of these jobs are actually recurring. Now, I'm saying there are skilled young people out there. These are young people with university qualification. By the way, uh, uh, one lady that called spoke about experiential you know, type of about education. The, about the future yes. of, of the uh, world, yes. And I'm saying to you that 90% of the courses that are actually offered at university have got an element of experiential learning. You don't even receive your degree or your diploma up until you have gone into the market and actually got to understand you know, you know, how the market works. So we are saying that on the current jobs that are being advertised, uh, uh, it's quite, uh, in our view, draconian to continue to use experience. Okay, so, so here's the thought. I want, I want to move on. So, so interesting point. Yes, businesses certainly apply. Uh, they, they certainly advertise for jobs. You have to look at the weekend papers. Yes. It's full of them. But, but is there not a way then to, to get to businesses and say, fine, hire people with experience because they need, they need immediate dividends. I mean, let's just, yeah. we've been watching the World Cup. You're not going to hire a coach with no experience. You, yes. need, you need to deliver others. You get sacked as well. Yeah. So hire people with experience, yes. but, but maybe reserve, if you're going to hire 10 people, reserve 20% yes. for people with no experience, but they're graduates. You know, how, how, how do we get that sort of a well, well, then let's have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I think, I think what, what, what we are trying to avoid is the approach of Mike of being dismissive. Uh, young people, by the way, must find solutions to their own challenges. By the way, there has been initiatives that were driven by government and the private sector. And my argument, and when I started here, I said to you that here is the Youth Employment Service, which was a CEO's initiative. Mm-hmm. All big CEOs of big conglomerates in the country have come together and said, with their own mouth, we can create one million jobs. But the problem with them saying they can create one million jobs is because they are going to get money out of government, you know, and which is fine. Maybe it's business and bottom line and so on. But in essence, there are one million jobs that are out there. Now, what we are simply saying is that fine, you'll get your rebate, you'll get whatever it is, but absorb these particular young people. Because you see, here's another spin off that other people don't see. The more young people remain unemployed, the more there's a challenge to the social stability of our country. Well, because no at, yes, that, yeah. at some point, these young people are going to get desperate. At some point, these young people are actually going to break into the same businesses. They are going to break into our homes. They are going to do all sorts of things. Some of them will get into drugs. Some of them will go into things like Nyaope. Some of them will start you know, doing all sorts of things. And we don't want the country to go down there. He speaks about the shrinking economy. The only way to get the economy working again is to increase the buying power uh, of the citizens okay, of this employee, but, I, but I think it's, it, it's to get that balance right. Which yes. Well, give us some feedback what the companies say when they do. Let us know. We certainly want to talk about that. My guest is uh, Safisam Twenty, who's the chairperson of the NYDA. Perhaps very quickly, if you can, in your current 400 million rand budget, hopefully yeah. you're going to get a billion. What are, the, you know, just very briefly, what, what are the three or four programs that the NYDA is involved in? Okay. Well, without spending too much time, just yeah, list them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, as I spoke to you, we, we've got an economic uh, participation. Uh, we're investing over 80 million there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on entrepreneurship development. That's on tra- entrepreneurship training as okay, well. So as, that would be one, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, in terms of and, and the grant funding, mm-hmm. we've got uh, education and skills development. We've got a Solomon Matlangu scholarship fund. Where what, we, what what happens there? A Solomon, a Solomon Matlangu scholarship fund gives out bursaries uh, to young people. You know, over the last few years, uh, education has been a big mm-hmm. issue. So the NYDA came out to say, let's also lend a hand and say, let's not give young people loans to go and study. Let's give them bursaries. And our bursary system, by the way, is not just tuition. Uh, it speaks to accommodation, speaks to books. It speaks. It's a model that, by the way, we we funded over 400 young people in the mm-hmm. last, you know, four years. All of them are graduates. 
all of them have finished it in record time because we're able to cover all the other aspects thirdly we're investing uh, just over 10 million in research because as you know normally when we talk about these things we speak about what stats SA would say and so on and so forth but what we've now done we've developed what I call a youth development institute of South Africa together with the University of uh, Johannesburg so there what we do we, we do cutting-edge research, up-to-date research. Uh, on the 27th of June, we will be releasing the first report called the Status of Youth Report. I want so, to know about it. Let us yes. know. Okay. Then, then the fourth, the fourth uh, uh, thing that we're investing on is what we call the National Youth Service Program. If you look at uh, the models of each and every country, is that uh, young people must be taught to be patriotic. They must be taught to be selfless. They must be community activists and community builders. For instance, we've seen now when there's uh, a community service uh, protest, people pens schools, mm. people pen clinics and so on and so forth. So how do we conscientize young people to say that if you want a road to be built, you know, there's no need for us to, to pen a but school. the fact there's so many burnings, doesn't that suggest it's not working? Well, well, I'm saying it's, it's, a, it's a model that we've now employed. And I'm saying that model was not there. By the way, post-1994, one of the many compromises that were made by the democratic government was to do away with the National uh, Youth Service Program. Mm. If you look at apartheid government, Almost everybody uh, was taken to the army, was taken everywhere else. Within the army, you were able to learn skills as HR, you were able to learn skills as an engineer, as a pilot, as everything else. But what has then happened post-1994 is that, you know, you have got these young people who just go through an education system. Some of them, they get, you know, brainwashed. They don't even know what is happening. Now, what we're saying is that we want to recruit these young people, one million of them by 2019. Take them through a national youth service uh, program mm. with the Department of Arts and Culture, with the Department of Defense, that will ensure that we reinvigorate the spirit of patriotism in our country. We are watching the World Cup now. It's playing in another country uh, 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 called uh, Russia. Mm. But each and every game that plays, the stadium is full. If you look at our own national teams that play in South Africa, we can't even, because that sense of you know patriotism is no longer there. Okay, that so sense of loving that. South Africa. Let's, let's talk about that, that patriotism part and, and what that really means, because maybe I call it, you know, what, what would be national service? KGM will get to you in just a second. Uh, let's get to that halftime score now between uh, Tunisia, the, the fourth of five African teams against, uh, against England. Here's Moali. Thanks very much indeed, Ashraf. Yes, uh, Tunisia will be the happier of the two sides going into the half-time break at uh, level one goal apiece. Uh, Fakhridin Sassi getting uh, the, uh, Ferjani Sassi rather, getting the equaliser from the penalty spot after Kyle Walker had uh, committed a foul, bringing down uh, Anis Badri in the uh, penalty area and uh, Ferjani Sassi coolly uh, converting that uh, penalty. The goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford, going the right way, but enough power behind that uh, penalty to uh, go into the back of the net. And that's after Harry K had opened the scoring for England after 11 minutes. It was a good save by the goalkeeper Moise Hassan who uh, flung himself to the left to keep out uh, John Stones' strong header and uh, from the rebound it was uh, Harry Kane uh, who uh, slotted home from close range. England have been dominant in this uh, first half. Jesse Lingard and uh, Raheem Sterling having some good chances as well. Tunisia suffering the early loss of their goalkeeper Moise Hassan due to a shoulder injury. He's been replaced by uh, Farouk Ben Mustafa and uh, Tunisia will be, as I said, the happier of the two sides. They've resisted the England side. England failing to convert their chances and that may well come back to haunt them in the second half. Half time then in Volgograd. It's uh, England 1, Tunisia 1. Muhammad Ali. Here, there and everywhere. SAFM 106.2 FM in Tohoyando. 
Right, we're going to wrap up there with the next 10 minutes with the NYDA uh, chairperson, Sifisum Twenty. Lots of important issues to come out of that. Okay, so let, let's talk about that National Youth Service. You speak about the sense of pride. Now, now you, are aware, you are aware, I mean, I'm, I'm part of this movement called Champion South African, and others do many different things. How do we get people to understand that that their success is the country's success. That, well, that's what we always talk about. Yeah. You win, the country wins. Yeah. The country wins, you win. Yeah. Well, I think, I think one of the things, Ashraf, that we need to have an honest conversation about as a country mm-hmm. is that, uh, you know, we, we were quite excited about a lot of concepts, Rainbow Nation and so on. We've never really defined what is this Rainbow Nation that we're talking mm-hmm. about. If you talk about non-racialism, for instance, in South Africa, uh, some people misconstrued it as multiracialism. That's why every now and then there are sporadic acts of racism that comes in. When you speak about non-sexism in South Africa, what are we talking about? Uh, have we really moved towards creating a, an equal society for both men and women? Today we see a lot of femicide cases. You know, men have declared war on women and so on mm. and so forth. When we talk about a classless society, you know, a, a society where even if you've got something, uh, you are able to to share and redistribute, you know, uh, uh, with those that do, do not have. And I think it's a conversation that all of us need to have. Now, if we don't recruit these young people and ensure that we bring them into the programs that, that we are talking about, then it means the future of our country. Look, we understand with the older generation, there's a bit of scars, you know, there's a bit of uh, remnants uh, that took place pre-1994. But post-1994, we used to speak about the born-free generation. Mm-hmm. But it was the same born-free generation that actually said roads must fall. It was the same born-free generation that said fees must fall. And they went all around. And I'm saying that we're not talking enough as a country to say what becomes our common destination. Okay, so why, why are we not talking enough about it? Well, Who, well, whose fault is that? Well, I think some, that's why I'm saying that the NYDA has now identified that particular gap and said, look, in creating a future generation for South Africa, you know, let's, let, 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 let's take these young people, particularly these ones that have given up, that are neither in education, that are neither in training, that are neither in a job, take them into one room. Start training them as, as youth volunteers. Tra- start training them as community builders. Start training them as, as selfless South Africans. Teach them what the flag stands for, you know, uh, uh, how the, the flag is supposed to be. Teach them what a hospital means in, in a township, mm-hmm. what a clinic means, you know, what a school is that happening or is that part of your wish? No, no, it, it has started. By the way, we've okay. now recruited uh, over 350,000. <clears throat> we are left with about 650,000. Okay, for me, that's my legacy. And you can record me here today. If I leave my office mm. as the chair of the NYDA, mm. I want to see over 1 million young people registered into the National Youth Service Program. So that will change. Yes. Yes. All volunteer. By the way, uh, of course, uh, in some programs, uh, some departments are giving them uh, stipends and so on. But for me, beyond the issue of stipends, okay. let, let's bring these young people together. One million is the target. Are you part of them? Okay. Yes. Let's, get, let's take two very quick calls before we wrap up here. Jimmy from Cape Town. Welcome to the show, Jimmy. Yes, how are you, sir? I'm good indeed. Go ahead. I'm not good at all. No. Yes, I just want to ask your, 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 your visitor there. Uh, what they are saying about these companies, the big companies here in South Africa, where you are going to go, if you are going to ask for a job there, they are telling you say that they are only employing white people. And even if you can see, it's only white they are working there. There are some of the transport companies here in South Africa, where you will see that the, the, the truck driver there is only white. So I just want to know what they are doing about that thing. And those people, they are loading the, the big companies like ShopRite. They are loading the SAS pass, the big companies. And only to find out the buyers there by ShopRite is black people. But the people who are supplying those things is only white people. Okay, got that. Thank you for that they, call. Uh, right, Jimmy, let, let's get the last call I can take now. KGM, welcome to the show, KGM. 
Good evening. Right, go ahead. So, and, and to the listeners. Look, Ashraf, um, I, I wouldn't have called. I just wanted to, to listen to CISO uh, talk to the issues as he has. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when, when people like Mike from, from Newlands or from Cape Town calls and, and narrates this narrative that they have, as, as particularly as, as white people who don't want to repent, who don't have any intention of making this kind okay, of... Okay, but, but we don't... Really but you see, but, but KGM, we just don't... Know. I'm just saying Mike's got a view, okay? That doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't want to repent. He has a particular view of how the country needs to be run. I, I'm just saying, sense, let's not, let's not say one suggests the other. Yeah, give me a chance, Ashraf. I, I, I listen to Mike the same way that he listens to me. We comment on the radio. Here, here's a fact. Uh, the, the, the gentleman you're sitting with in the studio there has, has contributed a l- immensely so when he was still at CEDA for the past eight years or so. I'm one of the, the, the beneficiaries of, of, of CEDA through, through his business prowess. Now, you don't have to necessarily run your own business to, to claim that you're in a business. Mike is looking for somebody who runs a business. I'm a product, uh, technically product of, of the likes of Sixto. And, and I, I, have, I continue to employ people in this country. But the, the point, the really related point is this as well. Coupled with the issue of, of foreigners in this country, every time when we have to deal with issues, uh, we, we seem to be wanting to hide behind the finger. The point is, if, if we're not going to look at each other as South Africa and say, this is working or this is not working, and, and we stop hiding behind things that are not emulated to, to resolve problems that we have, mm. then we don't have a direction. Okay. The, the, the solution to, to the, the, the challenges that we have of business is that business, and I'm talking as a, as a businessman myself, Ashraf, business has to be honest. We can't have a situation where multinationals, even local uh, uh, big business, where it ignores the fact that by, by, by osmosis, they, they create and they also add to the fact that unemployment, joblessness creates and sustains crime and corruption. And, and if we wow. hide from, from challenging these things the way they are, then why, what is the point of us having to say we need South Africa to work, but every time there's individuals or even organizations, even some of, 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 of programs that come through uh, uh, government. And Ashraf, you know okay. for a fact, mm. I'm not into politics, but I'm we well aware of it, yeah. okay. we need to give credit where credit is KGM, true. let's leave it at that because we've got about a minute and a bit to wrap up here. Just a quick response to KGM, uh, Sifiso. Well, uh, I, I mean, thank you. Thank, I thank him for that. And uh, these, these are the type of business people that, uh, you know, must continue to inspire us. They see the need of what we are raising. Mm-hmm. And and that's a point I was raising with Mike that, you know, the approach of just dismissing everything, you know, uh, these ones are just in it for the money and so on and so on. And yet we've got no less than three callers tonight who have all said that we've actually benefited out of this particular mm-hmm. system. That on its own is something. But, but there's a point that is raised. The issue of racism in the workplace or a, a racial profiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Africa, you know, and I want to put it very clear and blunt. Any company that continues to employ uh, white males at the expense of black people in this country is a corrupt company. Because this country's got laws, it's got employment equity, it's got affirmative actions. These are the laws of this particular country. Any, and by the way, the private That's sector... That's the, the requirement is equal, right? No, Sometimes no, they may need a manager and, and, and the other person... May no, no, it's fine, it. it's fine. And I'm saying, by the way, Ashraf, if you look at even the workplace itself, it's like a cappuccino. It's white on top, it's, it's black at the bottom. Now, what we need to do here is to say, 
those particular companies must stop being corrupt and follow the policies of this country because okay. at many times Ashraf government is being the one that is painted as a corrupt institution and so on and so on where else is the private sector that continues to be racist that continues to put white males at the expense of black workers okay. so we, we're going to wrap up it's we want to news so yeah. in 30 seconds that point brought up earlier about about changes um, in terms of um, uh, the different experiences for you know in terms of students in in the, in the years to come what interventions will you make to schools are, are you doing that well firstly uh, Just as in 30 yeah, seconds yeah. Yeah. quickly quickly ashara firstly we we we've now proposed to government firstly that let's start providing school uniform uh, for all kids no, I, I mean in terms of curriculum yeah. no no, no I'm, I'm just raising that yeah. in particular because it's, it's an important point because many young people uh, particularly who are poor are not in the schooling system because they don't have simple things like the uniform but secondly uh, we're moving towards a fourth industrial revolution uh, that necessitates uh, that the curriculum of our country must respond to that I mean in Japan for instance right in grade four people are already creating you know okay. uh, you, let's leave it at that will you tell us what you're doing some other yes, time we, we need to have that we, discussion we engage Minister Motseha okay. on this particular when issue. they bind we, we want to know about it appreciate your time that's if you so that's 20 um 20 rather wants 1 million volunteers part of the national youth service by the time he calls it a day yeah let's hope he gets it because we the band finishes will be our country from the nyda let's get the news now a minute past nine